say hello to Floyd Little and Jim Brown, Sean Tucker in the orange record books with his fifth touchdown of the game. All across CNY. Kick the tires and light the fires, Big Daddy. It's the 315. Hardy faking feeds the Grace Jameson. He scores! Here's Brian Higgins. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome in on this Tuesday in the Qs, Utica, Rome, wherever you're at, wherever you feel like being today on QSportsTalk.com. Rolling along here into the week. No hoops till tomorrow night. We'll, we'll take a few passes on uh, basketball today uh, for sure, but lots to get to on the show aside from uh, just the Qs uh, today. Qs and Clemson tomorrow night down in South Carolina. Team uh, en route that way shortly. We'll get more into that on the show tomorrow with Tim Beret from the Clemson Radio Network. He'll join us on the program tomorrow to break down uh, the Tigers. Uh, Clemson is coming off, uh, what would it be? Uh, oh, yes, the worst loss in the league this year, considering uh, circumstances. Yeah, so uh, we'll see how the Orange deal with that situation tomorrow night in South Carolina. That may have been a tournament uh, Potentially crippling loss for South Carolina, or pardon me, for Clemson over the weekend against uh, Louisville. Uh, Rule of thumb number one in the ACC this year. Don't lose to Louisville. We can figure out the other rules later. That's like the only rule that matters this year. Don't lose to Louisville. They lost to Louisville. So uh, it'll be a desperate uh, Clemson team uh, tomorrow. The Orange have been in that boat uh, for uh, a while. And we'll like start breaking that game down a bit tomorrow. Hit some more big picture ideas on it all today. Other things we'll get into. Uh, we'll get Tom Casale of the Action Network coming up uh, next hour. Uh, Tom has been scalding hot, sizzling on his college basketball picks. He has ceased to lose, stopped losing. We'll get his picks. He also tossed out a couple of futures picks for the tournament on his uh, Twitter yesterday. You can follow all of his picks on the Action Network app. It uh, compiles them all and you can look right at him, see what he's up to. He's winning. That's what he's up to. Tom will join us coming up in uh, the next hour today at 3.30. 2.30 today, we will talk New York football giants with Jordan Renan, ESPN Giants reporter. And let's see, what did I what did I write down in my document to talk to Jordan about? We're going to ask Jordan, what is going on? What the heck is going on with the Giants? Hey, Daniel Jones, you don't get to be the one that blows it all up. We'll see what Jordan thinks about that. Ugh. Like what? What is new agents? One bajillion dollars. I, I get it. The cap keeps going up and up and up. Maybe it doesn't matter. But um, yeah, before you're one of the top paid guys in professional sports, maybe averaging more than a touchdown a game would be a good place to start. We'll see. We'll see what uh, Jordan uh, Renan thinks. I, I believe he was the one to break the news of. Uh, Jones switching agencies. At least that's where I saw it uh, the other day. So yeah, he broke the news. That's all we need to know. We'll talk to Jordan coming up in uh, less than half an hour about uh, what in the high holy hell the Giants are up to uh, right now. Or not the Giants. The Giants aren't up to anything. What Daniel Jones is up to. The Giants are, they haven't done anything uh, different than they had done like yesterday. Now they just have a Potentially very different scenarios sitting in front of them with uh, today being day one of uh, franchise tags being available. You don't generally 
uh, trot that out on uh, day one. You try to figure things out first and wait till the end of the window, which is in early March. But the uh, math may have changed with Jones, and because of that with Saquon Barkley, and because of that with essentially the Giants' entire offseason, and potentially if things go uh, haywire uh, with Jones, uh, the near future of the franchise. It's say, oh, guy changed his agent. It might mean not much at all. It might mean everything. We'll see what uh, Jordan Slutz are on that coming up in uh, 30 minutes. But uh, we'll start with some hoops. And we'll start with the uh, with, with two thoughts that crossed my mind. We talked last week at some point, I think it was after the NC State game, about, and it was when Mike Waters had his article about attendance and how it all combined to, in college sports especially, in college sports that are available on television, Extra especially, and that's turning into literally everything, but we're primarily talking football, men's basketball here with Syracuse, and, you know, a lot of schools have maybe like the third thing they do, you know, apply it to your women's basketball team in Syracuse, like men's lacrosse it would stand up to, but, you know, what, whatever is certainly affected by uh, television taking away butts in seats to whatever extent, that college sports more than pro sports, in my mind anyway, your experience watching on TV is affected by the experience that people are having at the game. Like, there were 31,000 people in the Dome on Saturday. I I get it. We didn't get a a great crowd of 31,000 because the game was the way it was. Or at in the NC State game last week, it was 14,000 fewer, but the, the atmosphere was electric late in that game. And even if you were not at the game, you could feel it. You could feel it. Whereas... Last night, you know, I'm not particularly paying attention to the game, but I flipped on the end. I'm like, well, there's two top 25 teams playing a one-possession game. I might as well watch the end of this thing. Here's Kansas at the fighting Jamie Dixons at TCU. They got a Heisman Trophy finalist and Max Duggan sitting in the front row. They had, a, they had it all up. I don't know if it was a whiteout or something, I guess. It's a, it's a little, it's not a bandbox, but it's a, obviously it's a much smaller arena than the Dome. That goes without saying, but... It, you know, to, to eyeball it, that felt, you know, like an eight ten thousand 10,000-seat arena. So, and, and I'm just, you know, I got no dog in the fight other than, you know, we're in Syracuse, so root against Jamie Dixon. That's just the only rule, right? Like, we can't have problems with Kansas. That wouldn't be right. Kansas, Kansas lives in the happy spot for Syracuse fans' memories, but... Uh, we can always have problems with Jamie Dixon. But anyway, just watching the game, say, well, well three-point game. I just want to watch this thing. And comparing it to Syracuse and the atmosphere that comes through the TV and the importance of it all. Like, I'm watching the end of the game, and Kansas had this unbelievable play. It's a three-point game with, like, 30 seconds left or something. The TCU guy, you know, there's a bunch of guys on these two teams. I don't know their names. It doesn't matter. The, the TCU guy is driving to the rim. One Kansas guy blocks the shot, he gets it back, and him and a combination of another guy block it again and force a jump ball. And, you know, in real time, is it a block, is it a foul, uh, whatever. Like the replay showed they were both pretty clean. It was just an unbelievable play. But what stood out to me and what was clearly a sold-out arena, and this is a huge game. Like if you're a Big 12 team like TCU and you're hosting Kansas, like that is a huge game. And the place was packed, and it just felt silent. Like, no, no, no. This is when you boo the living crap out of the refs. Like, what is going on here? Like, if you're in the Dome right now, the refs are wearing it until they leave the building. And, you know, watching the replay, I'm like, oh, that was a pretty good call. But that's beside the point. 
it just struck me how much that the atmosphere affects your enjoyment of the game, even if you're not there. Like, I had the point driven home for me. With that game, not a Syracuse game. Like, and I get it. It's not what it was in the Dome, always, for sure. But, man, just seeing 31,000 there and what, what brought this up in my head is there were tweets out there from Otto's Army last night, the student section, that on Saturday there were 8,471 students in the crowd, 8,471. That is yet again breaking the record from last year, the largest student crowd in the history of college basketball. Not in Syracuse's history of college basketball, in the history of college basketball. Yes, having more room in the building helps. There's a lot of buildings that can't fit 8,400 of anybody in it. I get it. I don't care. <laughs> You've got darn near half the student body sitting there watching a basketball game. And into it. And adding to the atmosphere. Which enhances it for people at home that aren't there. And I think that's great. That all hit me last night. Watching a game, it's, it's two top 25 teams, two tournament teams. Kansas may be the number one overall seed in the tournament. TCU has already beat them once this season, had them on the ropes on their home court. It's an obvious, like, rush the court situation. Biggest play of the game happens, not in their favor, and it's just dead. It was weird. I get it. It's Texas, and not everything's bigger in Texas. Everything's football in Texas. It was so weird. To watch that on television last night. And, you know, we have lots of thoughts about Syracuse basketball and we wish it were better and all this stuff. And and none of that's wrong. I'm not here to say that's wrong, but man, it, it tells you what, what matters in your, your fandom world. I guarantee if the same whenever the same version of that play happened in a football game at TCU. Basically, if there was a, a play like the end of the Super Bowl. In some way, TCU, oh my goodness, those refs would have had to sneak out of town in like the back of a rail car. And last night, and again, I thought it was actually a really good call, but live, I'm like, oh, is that a block or not? And that was one, like, you know it, you've been at the Dome for a game, if that exact same thing happened in the Dome. Oh my goodness, the booze. And you would have felt the booze sitting on your couch at home, and even though it would have gone against your team in this made-up scenario I've just concocted, it would have been great theater. Whereas somehow, 3 versus 25 is not. And that all ties into a little bit, I think how, and you know, following up on our conversation with Joe Lenardi yesterday, how, and I get the numbers say it, but this is, I, I think, the main reason why people think it's weird or it stinks that the ACC is going to be left holding the bag about this year's NCAA tournament. It's not because those teams in the Big 12 or the Big 10 aren't actually better this year. Probably they are. I don't know. I don't really care. It's that the people that root for the teams in the ACC or pick Syracuse's league, the biggies before that, care more about the sport. And it definitely stinks to see when you know, teams are playing in bigger games than your team's playing in, and they apparently they're there, and they don't seem to care. It was very peculiar watching it. Very peculiar watching it. That just hit me in a real weird way last night. I'm like, hey, look at this game. Number three versus number 25. Ooh, one possession game. Well, yeah. I'll watch that. But it didn't feel like anybody that was in the arena would have done the same thing to, like, the own game that they were actually at. <laughs> like, yeah. 
When's this thing done? Got to fold the laundry. Has anyone taken the dog out? Is this almost over? If they call a foul, it's going to go longer, huh? Well, yeah, I guess it's better they didn't blow a whistle. Like, if a no call that I watched in that game, it happened. And again, good call. But, like, in real time, I'm like, hmm, I don't know. And I am certain of this. Had I been watching that game, rooting for TCU, you're yelling at the TV. You're yelling at the refs. You're yelling at all the stuff. Just popped out as, as odd last night. And really, um, I think, put into further perspective, add in nearly 8,500 students to the Orange game the other night. And the fact that here in Syracuse, you can still get 30,000 at a basketball game. Yeah, there are problems with the basketball team. And we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that on and on and on throughout the show today and the rest of the week and the, the next month or, or whatever. You want more wins? We want the whole thing. But I, it, And I think that's where it stinks more because here we care about it. All of the anger comes from passion about the team. Down there, their teams are good right now, so we're told, and nobody seemed to care. Like, the game wasn't in Kansas. Obviously, in Kansas, they care. But at TCU's, yeah. When spring ball start? When's that going to happen? When is it? When's the ball not going to be round anymore? Odd. Very odd. We'll get into later in the show where the ACC is at uh, in the realm of the tournament. I think Joe Lenardi, you know, hit it on the head yesterday. Uh, of course he did. Like, uh, we can debate till the end of the world, like, whether the way the tournament is decided is right, wrong, or otherwise. But, I mean, Joe and all the people, like, he was the forefront of this with bracketology and all that, but now there's 8 million people of it and there's accuracy competitions and all that. I don't care. Like, all of them are close enough to know what they're talking about anyway. That, yeah, the ACC's in a tough spot right now. The numbers of the league are not up to the numbers of the other leagues. And early season, later season, whatever, like, this is going to be a year where the ACC is left without a lot of spots on the dance card Come March. Lenardi's uh, Bracketology, which uh, came out officially again this morning, just five ACC teams in. Just five. North Carolina, the last team out. And he said it yesterday. Of the teams that are going to drive him bonkers, the honorary Syracuse spot of the teams that are going to drive Bracketologists, including Joe Lenardi bonkers, North Carolina. He's got him right now as the first team out of the tournament. Is that the last team out? First team, however you want to call it. They're the, they, they would be the next team in, but they're not. He's got Wisconsin as the last team in. Oh, spare us of Wisconsin in the tournament. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out because Carolina is going to be the most interesting case this year, I think. I don't even care. Like, unless they win the ACC tournament here, they're going to they're gonna end up with just an odd resume. Like, some of their numbers are going to be good. Some of their numbers are going to be horrid. It's going to be all over the place. Like, as of today, I'm looking at first four out, next four out. You know, it's not even in the, the eight teams closest to the bubble right now. And this looked like it was going to be a potential quad one game a week ago, four days ago. You know, it's not even in the mix of the bubble right now. Clemson. It looked a few weeks ago that this was Syracuse's biggest game remaining on the schedule. And based on the numbers right now, nope. 
And based on the numbers right now, uh, Clemson, who is currently sitting, you know, top four, top five in the ACC, is sitting in the top nothing of the NCAA tournament. And that's darn near unprecedented uh, when it comes to the uh, recent history of uh, the ACC and the NCAA tournament. Just a very, very strange year in the, the league. Didn't get, take care of business early in the season. Duke has turned the corner in a positive way of late, so it appears they had a win last night against Louisville. They followed the Cardinal rule that Clemson did not. The one rule in the league this year, the rule is don't lose to Louisville. Duke followed the rule. Clemson did not. Duke in the tournament, Clemson not. Why? Don't lose to Louisville. Well, that will take a break. We'll turn our attention to the New York football giants here in a little bit. We'll hear from uh, Jeff Darlington of ESPN NFL reporting fame. He was on Get Up this morning. He had things to say about the Giants. We'll play them back for you uh, when we come back. And then uh, after that, coming up at 2.30, we'll uh, turn over the stage to uh, the Giants reporter at ESPN. He is Jordan Renan. Joins us all the time. You know, I didn't really think it was going to be necessary to talk Giants this week uh, until Jordan's tweet dropped on, I think, Sunday night that Daniel Jones was changing agencies. And now there's reports. Oh, he wants $45 million a year. He wants $8 billion. We'll talk to Jordan. Is that actually what's happening? And in the NFL these days, obviously it's a lot of money. Is that a lot of money? The cap goes up and up and up. Like, could that be a good deal in two or three years? Maybe that's just what it is. I don't know. We'll get his perspective uh, around the corner here in just a little bit. Right now, we'll step aside. Much more to come on the program today after this at SkewSportsTalk.com at ESPN Radio. ESPN 97.7 and 100.1. Watch live on QSportsTalk.com. All across central New York, it's the 315. Here's Brian Higgins. Here I am. Here we are. Roll along on this Tuesday afternoon. Glad to have you with us wherever you may be. Coming up in the next hour, we'll turn our attention back to the uh, round orange ball with little pebbles on it. We'll talk some uh, hoops. Bracketology! Net! Clemson! Hit you uh, with some Tom Casale of Action Network at 3.30. Uh, Tom has been just scalding hot. Like, whatever he tells us today, just go do it. Just do it. Don't think about it. Just do it. He'll be with us at uh, 3.30 today. He has been killing it of late. But uh, a little football talk, a little more football talk uh, on the collegiate level as we just hit the National Football League and the Giants uh, there with Jordan Renan. Always good to chat with Jordan about the uh, New York football uh, Giants. And, man, I, I feel we've had the same conversation with him and, you know, Charlie Carroll and Dan Duggan and, Lance Meadow and all of the Giants people we talked to, we've had it with Andrew Siciliano, like, what are the Giants going to do with Jones and what's going to go on? And we're no closer to an answer yet. It is wild. It just keeps going on. New agents. How much money is he going to get? Does any of it matter? Like, NFL contracts are just, like, they're barely worth what's written on them with how long they actually last and this, that, and the other thing. But it, it's wild that this saga is still going on. And the fact that, like, Jones had a much improved season. He started 16 games and threw 15 touchdowns. That is not many. Now, he stopped turning the ball over. That was nice. But uh, threw 15 touchdowns in 16 games. Quick look at the mock draft season. As far as it pertains to the Syracuse University football team, oh, it is mock draft season. Mock draft season is now longer than actual seasons. 
Like, we're in winter, it is mock draft season. Soon it will be spring, it will still be mock draft season. We'll be on the precipice of summer, still mock draft season. It is always mock draft season. Uh, But CBS uh, dropped their newest mock draft recently. The highest of the Geese players continues going up, up, up. His number is getting close to the numbers that uh, would be in the first round of numbers. One Matthew Bergeron, left tackle, future guard, perhaps. Noted Canadian was going uh, 35th to the Colts and uh, their new head coach, who was one of the guys with the Eagles. Definitely one of the guys with the Eagles. He either coached their offense or the defense, but he was definitely one of the guys. But they got Bergeron up to 35. If you're being chatted about at 35, this year there's only 31 first-round picks because of those cheating Dolphins. Uh, But that means you're not far away from the first round. So first-round watch is on for Matthew Bergeron. Can he be the first orange first-round offensive lineman pick since Justin Pugh? Garrett Williams, uh, back into the first round of that mock draft, uh, going to the Panthers. Oh, forget the teams, but, you know, he's in the 60s right now, so back into the second round. So that's interesting for Garrett coming off the ACL. We'll see how he tests and whatnot, what he's capable of doing at this point. I think maybe with the injury, he'd be more likely to land in the third round, but it doesn't seem like NFL teams care about that. Like, if you got an ACL, yeah, you get it fixed right? Okay. Uh, Sean Tucker uh, next up in the prospect list for the Orange. Not in the two-round mock draft by CBS, but the Athletic is a constantly updating and evolving a top 100 uh, done by Dean Brugler, their draft guy. Uh, it is not a mock draft, but it's just in order he's ranking the players, not in order they'll be picked. And currently he has Tucker at 94th, so that is, um, that's like a late third-rounder, you know, early fourth-rounder borderline thing. So that's kind of where Tucker's at. So uh, eyes on the Orange. Michael Jones certainly be in the mix for... Uh, the draft as well. The XFL was this weekend, and Eric Dungy didn't play. DC Defenders, you're going to be my favorite XFL team. No, I hate you. Dungy was their third-string quarterback. Third string? Got a crap is this, DC Defenders. I'm going to root for the St. Louis Battlehawks. They've got Lakeem Williams. they got Sterling Hoffrichter. Let's go punting. Sterling was punting the crap out of it, man. 48 yards a kick. Go Battlehawks! Boo, Defenders. Boo. Take a break. Hour two is next. Net rankings. Boo. We'll discuss them. And uh, the ensuing fallout of all things NCAA bracketology when we come back. It is QSports.com and ESPN Radio. WTLA North Syracuse, WSGO Oswego, W249BC Mattydale, W261AC Oswego, WTKWHD2 Bridgeport, ESPN Radio. Can we review our status here, Sire? Let's look at this thing from the... Uh... From a standpoint of status. Can't go backwards. Can't go forward. What am I going to do? Hey, what happened? You have nothing better to do at 3 o'clock in the afternoon? Lisa, if you don't like your job, you don't strike. You just go in every day and do it really half-assed. That's the American way. This is a great day. A really great day. All across CNY, it's the 315 with Brian Higgins. Halfway home, here's what's happened so far. All right, what have we done? What have we done? We have uh, we have lauded Syracuse's crowd. How about that? Basketball crowds. Only because I, I watched the Kansas TCU game last night. Not the whole game, but the end. You know, close game, two top 25 teams, number three, number 25 games at TCU. 
on the verge of upsetting Kansas. Vaguely controversial. In hindsight on the replay, not actually controversial, but, it, you know, live could have been called a controversial call. Not one boo? Just sitting on your hands? Q Saturday, largest student crowd ever in the history of college basketball. 31,000 in the building. Priorities, people. They also had a Heisman finalist in the front row. That's the other side of the priorities. We did that. Then we talked about Daniel Jones. Lots of Daniel Jones talk with Jordan Renan of ESPN. And we booed the D.C. defenders for not playing Eric Dungey. Boo! I'm going to continue not to watch the XFL because of this. Take that, XFL. I watched that first game, you know, the one 22 years ago. I'll make it around to a second game eventually. But not until Dungey is starting, gosh darn it. I am on strike from the XFL. You hear that, The Rock? On strike from the XFL. With that, let's go to the phones. Scooter's with us. Scooter, how you doing? Are you on strike from the XFL? I, I am on strike from the XFL because of no dungy. Well, I think one out of 50 people probably watched the game. So, you, yeah. so without you, you're, you're actually down to 49, I think, or something like that. So that could hurt the ratings right there. It could. I mean, I, I also I hadn't watched an XFL game since 2001, so it's been a minute. But, <laughs> but they're, not getting, they're not getting me back without dungy. They're getting you back, huh? Okay. Yeah. It, it, it's just, uh, to be honest, I, I, I keep forgetting it's on. I mean, actually, you know, they're better off. They actually got uh, national contracts. I mean, uh, yeah, that's that's actually half the battle right there. Which, you know, they're, they're actually going to watch it. It's not like you're searching for the antenna uh, TV channel or something like that to, to watch the game and stuff. So you're right. Uh, Brian, a couple things. First of all, I found the worst offensive team in America, Oregon State. Oh. I don't think they can even score in the NBA All-Star game, personally. <laughs> that's that's Boy, not they're, good. They're bad. I, I know they're bad. They did, yeah. They just played Washington and scored 47. Uh, I forgot how much they scored against uh, Washington State, but uh, the under is always a possibility when Oregon State plays. The only problem is it's probably lower than a Virginia game. So it's it's tough, but I always I keep an eye on them because they always bring the other team down, and so you you're looking at them. It's 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 a muck to start with. It's that's how you start with. But the reason why I'm calling, and, you know, if I ruffle feathers, so be it. But let's be honest. There's still we have an elitist attitude when it comes to Syracuse, where we think we are in the status because we're always here in top ten. But the problem is, is that we cannot, because the ACC is down, we always said, well, we don't have to schedule out-of-conference good games. We always stay in the Carrier Dome for the whole month of December unless we're in some tournament in New York. That We don't have to schedule because the ACC, we're going to play so many high-ranking teams that's going to help our net rankings. Well, the ACC's down. You look at our non-conference uh, schedule, and don't get me all noise because that was predetermined because of the challenge. Syracuse didn't go out and, and, and schedule it. They're going to have to be somebody like Gonzaga again. Gonzaga got to where they were, and I, and, you know, I'm a Gonzaga fan. They have passed Syracuse as far as as far as, far as programs go in the last nine or ten years easily. They go out and they schedule at Alabama, which was number one in the country, at Texas. They go play anywhere, anybody. And the bottom line is, if Syracuse wants to get up on that status, and they can't rely on the ACC and playing the Dukes and the Carolinas and Virginias to help their net rankings, they're going to have to go out and be, you know, and, and 
and actually start scheduling these teams out of conference to get their net rankings up because the ACC is not going to help you anymore, well, at least for a while. And we'll have to see because obviously that goes into it. Like You don't have to schedule as hard in non-conference. Like It's not that long ago, but it is three right. four years ago now, like 2019. But that is how long ago it was. The ACC had by far the best uh, metrics in the country. Uh, I'll say this, though. At least next year, Scooter, the Orange are locked into Maui, and that field is just stacked next year, so you'll have a bunch of, of uh, right. good neutral site games. But uh, And this is the good thing, uh, Scooter, as opposed to football, where you schedule like 8 million years in advance, that right. in basketball, like you're doing next year's schedule like during the year or in the offseason. So at least it's something you can adjust uh, on the fly if you think it's going to be an issue the next year. Well, I'll go back a couple of years ago when we were either eight or nine seed playing Baylor in the first round of the tournament. And I'm not going to embarrass the, the, the radio personnel to interview with a Baylor, either radio or reporter, but he was very condescending. It's almost like Baylor was the 15 seed, Syracuse the two seed. And what does Baylor got to do to beat, you know, beat the mighty Syracuse team? And I'm laughing and going, it's an eight nine game. It's a pick 'em. Mm-hmm. And he, and all of a sudden he goes, well, what does Baylor got to do to beat Syracuse? And the the guy on the Baylor side, so we're kind of wondering what Syracuse got to beat Baylor. <laughs> and to be honest with you, Baylor Baylor's actually passed Syracuse, right? They've won the national title. They've they've been high in the rankings and stuff. So I'm just talking about this latest attitude we got now, guys. Let's be reality. The ACC is down. And if Syracuse doesn't do anything with their non-conference schedule, it's going to hurt them come time like this because if we beat a Duke or North Carolina and they're not even a quad one win, how's that helping us? And that's what Gonzaga ended up doing. Gonzaga actually, they were going to leave the conference. And and, and they said, how can we keep you? He says, two less non-conference games so we can go out and schedule two more out-of-conference games to help our, what, you know, back then was the RPI announcing that rankings, but they go anywhere, and Syracuse going to have had that attitude that the playing, you know, playing the, uh, you know, the first month of the season, the carry dome, isn't going to fly if the ACC is going to be down this far, and when the Mountain West is ahead of you, and those guys are out, you know, going across the country playing each other, you got to start being aggressive again. Yeah, Scooter, and uh, thanks for the call, and I, yep. I think you're absolutely right, and that's not even, that's not a Syracuse thing, that's uh, that's an ACC thing uh, right now because this is not just affecting Syracuse. This is affecting uh, the whole league, and we can compare right now. And it's an ACC men's basketball thing this year. The women's side of the thing, current bracketologies from ESPN, uh, Joe Lenardi, who we had on yesterday, Charlie Cream does their women, dropped uh, this morning. Just hot bracketologies right off, the, right off the screen this morning. Well, the ACC men right now have five teams. The ACC women right now have nine, including Syracuse. And we'll talk about that with Tim Leonard uh, when we come back. And the men have two top 30 net ranking teams right now. The women have seven. So it's one where, and because you don't schedule basketball out as far, you know, sometimes you'll sign like a two-year series, you'll sign a home-and-home, or the the Thanksgiving tournaments for the women or the holiday tournaments for the men, they get get signed further out in advance because, you know, those are bigger things. But for the most part, you have a reasonably clean slate with your non-conference slate in college basketball going into every offseason, or at least right now. Like, you're working on it all the time, but, you know, it's not set. It's not all the way set. So if you're Syracuse or, you know, pick a team, North Carolina, if you're Pittsburgh, if you're Clemson right now, if you're one of these teams, Wake Forest, and their crap non-conference schedule, and you say, okay, what can we do? Well, that's what you can do. It's exactly what Scooter said. It's go play 
a major conference team and go play them on the road. Go sign a home and home with them. Sign two. Play one at home, one on the road. That's what you can do. Go play a mid-major team that's a dangerous game and not a, a dangerous game that you can lose like Syracuse with Colgate. Go play one that's in a league of a slightly higher level that will help your net regardless of result. Now, it's also seeing the future because you got to pick the right ones of those teams because you can pick the wrong one and it can have the adverse effect and drag your team down. It's not po- it's not always possible. But you look at the net ranking right now, speaking of those teams, um, Colgate is 100 and Syracuse is 101. How about that? How about that? But it is something that, unlike football, where I can tell you Syracuse is playing, I think, in 2,276. You know, that'll be year 7 million of the Notre Dame five-game series for the ACC. I'm sure that'll still be intact by then. In basketball, it's different. You can you can reset that puppy every year. The only thing you know is you got the 20 ACC games. That's a lot. It's a lot of games. But you still have 11 other games. And I think, to Scooter's point more than everything, you have to be very intentional. Let's call it this way. You have to be very intentional of how you pick the other 11 games now, if you are Syracuse or if you're anybody in the ACC, because you don't have a lot of wiggle room. It's not easy because you got to be intentional and you can't only play crazy games. Like Michigan State plays just so many crazy games every year. And it's like, what are you doing? And they lose a lot of games. And some years it really holds down their season some, sometimes. Like you got to have a balance, especially this year. Or if you have a young team, it's even harder now. You don't know what your team's going to look like next year half the time. But you don't want to play a murderous schedule if your team's young because you might get slaughtered early and never recover. It is, it is a tightrope. It's a tightrope. And if you don't, Walk it right. You stay at home in March. Take a break. Four and one here in the three one five with Tim. When we come back, we will talk to Tom Casale coming up at three thirty right here at SkewSportsTalk.com, ESPN Radio. Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse Sports Talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. It's the three one five. Here's Brian Higgins. All right, rolling along on the program uh, today. We're going to have a, a very different than I thought we were about to have. 4 and one and the 3-1-5 coming in for Tim. Tim just came in with news that was uh, so far afield of anything that I was thinking that it uh, it's not good news, but we'll play happy, happy time songs to get into it. Here's the 4 one Hello, and welcome to Movie Phone. If you know the name of the movie you'd like to see, press 1. <laughs> oh, wait, you serious? Let me laugh even harder. In the 315. And so you're going to be doing that all week, right? Nah. Oh, yeah. It's time for the 411 in the 315. Oh, boy, Tim. Uh, the, the headlines right now, they are wild involving the number one team in the country, Alabama, in college basketball. Uh, fill us in on this because this is. Um, this is like an all-timer yeah. bad story. So let's start at the beginning of the season. Darius Miles, a player for Alabama, I'm sure many remember this, and very unfortunate news at the beginning of the year that he was charged with capital murder, one of Alabama's players. Mm-hmm. I don't know exactly when it happened, but it was at the beginning of the season. You fast forward to now, and reports come out today, according to a court testimony, that Brandon Miller, who is 
inarguably probably the best freshman in college basketball. Might be the best player in the country. Yes. He's probably going to be, or would have been, I, I guess I might should say here, he would have been maybe a top five pick in the NBA draft. Now, we'll see how this all shakes out, but Brandon Miller, according to court testimonies, supplied the murder weapon mm-hmm. to Darius Miles. And that's Darius not, Miles That's not what you're looking for. Him. Yeah. Yeah. Like, hey, bring the murder weapon. Yes. So... There's that. Then Nate Oates was interviewed today, and this all comes out, and I'll read the direct quote from Nate Oates, head basketball coach of Alabama. Again, the number one team in the country, talking about his best player being involved in giving a murder weapon mm-hmm. from a murder that took place earlier this or this past year, I guess. He says, we knew about that. Can't control everything everybody does outside of practice. Nobody knew that was going to happen. Brandon hasn't been in any type of trouble, nor is he in any type of trouble in this case. Mm-hmm. Wrong spot at the wrong time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the scene of a murder yeah. is the wrong spot to be in. You don't, breaking news, don't be at the scene of a murder. Right. And bring the murder weapon. So, and this is all, like, this is not speculation anymore this is like actual stuff that has happened in the court of law in alabama police have you know court testimonies have come forward that said that brandon miller gave the murder weapon to darius miles or at least i guess i should say what we officially know is darius miles texted Mm -hmm. to supply the murder weapon and i believe we can go as far as saying he supplied the murder weapon yeah uh yeah here's a i'm reading the article off yahoo right now the tuscaloosa police chief uh said that Miller isn't facing charges because there's nothing we could charge him with according to the law. Uh, it doesn't make it a lot better just because there's nothing you could uh, charge him with uh, according to the law. My goodness, that's... um. And then the comments from Nate Oates, too. I think that's not... Obviously, they're both huge issues. But to come forward and say, quote, wrong spot at the wrong time. That's a weird thing to say. Yeah. Like, um, you know, we, we spend all of our time like dissecting everything Jim Beheim has said. About, like, a lot of stuff. He didn't say that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I just watched the that Ravens 30 for 30 the other day. The, this is, um, like, you can't help but think about Ray Lewis uh, after this. He, he was charged in, in that one of, what, obstruction of justice, I, I believe, is what right. they, they got him with, with what was a, a double murder after the Super Bowl the year before the Ravens. Uh, what what are, what is going on in college basketball right now? Like what? Why are there so many hits happening? Like New Mexico State, they're off shooting people on other teams. We got this going. Like what? Like the story about you know North Carolina is it, nobody had a gun. Like it's ha ha ha. Oh, these college kids. That's probably not good in the locker room. Um, this is not good. Like in the real world. Yes, this is bad. And it's also it would be a storyline if it was any team, any player. Right, yeah. any coach, but it is the number one team in the country, a projected number one seed, and their best player. So now I don't know what happens from here. I'm sure there's going to be more details that come out, and mm-hmm. I would assume if you're Alabama, you have to apply some suspensions and do <sighs> it by the end of today. I mean, it's a PR nightmare for them right now. What's we, happening? We are right now. I, I'd have to look up the exact day, Tim, but we're pretty close to let's see, eleven years to almost the exact day give or take a week or so, it might have been the 20th, it was right around now, that uh, Syracuse, the number one team in the country, suspended Fab Mello because of academics. Alabama, the number one team in the country, 
had a player apparently, uh, reportedly, allegedly, we'll go with allegedly, let's use our journalism yeah, degree here too, right. allegedly uh, deliver the murder weapon to the scene of a murder where it was used to murder. All good. We'll see you Thursday night or whenever Bama's on the court next. Yeah. Again, now. You Plus, know. we had the Chris Beard stuff this year, too. It's just oh, been a wild goodness. year. Yeah. You know? There's a lot going on in college basketball. You know, we're here just worried, like, man, it would have been nice if Syracuse could have won, like, four or five more games. Yeah. That would have been nice. Man, where was Benny that one game? You know where he wasn't? Murdering. That's where Benny wasn't. Yeah, I, I shouldn't even be laughing. I mean, it's just such a no. Wild I mean, you story. just can't like. Is it funny? No, but it's surreal. Like, what is going on in college basketball this year? What is? And with like all the best teams in the country, Texas, is like, hey, we're great. Our coach fired. Alabama, hey, we're great. He's going to be the, one of the next great players. Have you seen this guy play? And he's he's dropping off guns to murder scenes to his teammate to kill somebody. Like, he can't make it up. Well, Tim. Thank you for the sunshiny news. Yeah, you know, I uh, wish I had better news. We're gonna have to tie this together. This now, here's how stupid the world is in 2023. Our next guest is Tom Caselli from the Action Network. He's very good at betting on college basketball games. Tim, he was dropping futures on the NCAA tournament last night. We'll have to see what he thinks about Alabama. <sighs> My guess is he's gonna pick. I don't think he had Alabama. He likes UCLA. He's big on the Bruins. We'll talk about that when we come back. Oh, it's not funny. It's surreal. We'll back after this. It's QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio.